In the past two weeks, our lives have been turned upside down. Fear and anxiety have skyrocketed as much as the stock market has plummeted, and we're all wondering, will our healthcare systems be able to hold? And we're bracing ourselves for what may come in the future. The newest coronavirus on planet Earth seems to be everywhere present and filling all things. And perhaps the greatest hardship for us during this time is that the source of strength upon which we usually depend, namely our friendships and those meaningful relationships in our lives, have been hampered. We know that the best way to deal with this health crisis is through physical distancing. We cannot be in the same place as our friends in the same way that we were able to be before. And so our lonely culture has become even lonelier. Senior citizens who are isolated have become even more isolated. And the most vulnerable among us, the poor, the prisoners, the sick, the people whom Christ tells us to care for in Matthew 25, have become even more vulnerable. But we hear in Scripture also about times like this, where we have to keep a distance or even isolate ourselves. Last week I shared the story of the last plague that was sent upon Egypt, when the children of Israel were able to escape the angel of death by sheltering at home, protected by the blood of the lamb that they were instructed to smear on the doorposts and lintels of their homes. But there are other instances in the Old Testament as well. Consider the code of ritual purity. If you touch a dead body, whether of a human or an animal, you become unclean, and you have to keep a distance from the rest of the people. Or if someone reposes, passes away in your home, and the body of the deceased person is there, the entire household becomes unclean. If you have a skin disease like leprosy, about which we hear in the gospel, we hear about Jesus encountering lepers, you become unclean. And fortunately for the ancient Jews, there was a cure for being unclean. It usually involved waiting, washing, and sacrifice. But you could be cleansed from this impurity. You waited, you washed, you brought sacrifices to God through the priest, and for us today, who are Christians, we have an even greater blessing. We have a high priest who became incarnate for us, and he experienced every aspect of human experience except for sin. And because he has experienced every aspect of human experience, he's able to sympathize with us. And so that even though we are distanced from each other and even distanced from coming together all together at church, we can still draw near to his throne to receive mercy and grace in this time of need because he has sent his Holy Spirit into the world, the Holy Spirit who is everywhere present and filling all things. That same Holy Spirit was with St. Ephthemius the Athenite, whom we remember today, and in whose life I saw a few parallels to the situation that we're facing today. 
This young man was born into a devout and affluent family in the Peloponnesos in Greece. But he went to Moldavia to study. And there in Moldavia, he was seized with a desire to become a monk. But just as we're facing certain travel restrictions now due to the coronavirus, the Russo-Turkish War of 1806 prevented him from going to the Holy Mountain. And so what did he do? He went to Bucharest instead and spent some time in Bucharest, where unfortunately he fell into some worldly company that made him forget his pious intention. Kind of reminds me of those young people who have been criticized for not canceling their spring break travel plans. But finally, he found a way to get to Constantinople. He put himself in the service of an ambassador to the Sultan, and he got on a boat and he went to Constantinople. But on his way, under the influence of an apostate, someone who had denied the faith, he too denied his faith. And so he arrived in Constantinople heartbroken, was completely distressed in his soul that he had denied Christ. And so he went to the church to be reconciled, but unfortunately he was turned away twice by the church, by representatives of the church, until he found refuge in the Russian embassy. And they gave him some Christian clothes and sent him to Mount Athos. There, as if in a holy quarantine, to cure himself of the virus of apostasy, this young man confessed his sins, was reconciled to the church, and submitted himself to the ascetic life to prepare for his final redemption, which came after he took on the great schema or the great monastic habit. And it's interesting, his name was changed from Eleftherios to Ephthemios. And I think that's also relevant for us today because Eleftherios means freedom. And haven't we lost a lot of freedom in the last couple of weeks. But ephthemios means joy. And this man, as he was working out his salvation and living the ascetic life, the somberness of his face slowly began to be transformed into this supernatural joy. And that's probably why they named him ephthemios when he became a monk of the great schema. And so finally he went to Constantinople and on Palm Sunday, with a cross that had been blessed in his hand, he suffered a valiant and miraculous martyrdom. Although we're not able to all gather together here on Sunday anymore, I, just like the priests of the Old Testament, will continue to offer gifts and sacrifices, both for my sins and for yours. I will continue to offer these at the altar of God on your behalf during this time. But for you, I encourage you not only to do the three practices of cleansing that I mentioned from the Old Testament, waiting, washing, and sacrifice, but also one important other one, and that is sharing. Because physical distancing does not mean social distancing. With the telecommunication technology we have, we can still be in touch with each other. I suppose it was last week, I spoke with a friend of mine who is a chanter. Like those of you here who are chanters or singers, she is one of the people who can still come to the church to represent the people in liturgical prayer. But she was weeping tears when I called her, not for herself, but for everyone else who couldn't come to church. And I was so blessed by simply that conversation 
with someone with such a great heart who knows from her experience of life how beautiful and life-giving worship is and was so heartbroken that others could not be part of that. So I encourage you to do the same. We've all suffered losses in this time. What about life a month ago do you miss the most? What do you miss the most about church? Call me and tell me. Call each other. Share that with each other. If you have a journal, write in your journal. You can even post on Facebook or social media if you're into that and take the conversation there. But share. We're not wanting to share viruses. We're wanting to share experiences. Saint Sophroni of Essex, the recently canonized saint of our church, once said that God allows for sorrow and sickness to be the course of our earthly existence because without it, we would not keep up in humility. And it's for this reason, brothers and sisters, that God has allowed this coronavirus to come into our life, to humble us, the entire human race, who so easily become drunk on the knowledge and power we have amassed over the centuries. Knowledge and power which remain as insignificant in the sight of God as a grain of sand is to the ocean. We forget this. And so he allows these things to humble us. And so I encourage you, remember that God, the Holy Spirit, is everywhere present and filling all things. And as we wait and hope and repent, of our sins, which for us is a way of life, whether there are viral pandemics or not, wash yourself continually with the word of God, as the prophet and King David did. O Lord, you test me and know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my portion, and you foresee all my ways. Where could I go from your spirit? or flee from your face. If I should ascend into heaven, you would be there. If I should descend into Hades, you would be there. If I should take up my wings at dawn and pitch camp at the furthest part of the sea, even there your hand would lead me, and your right hand would hold me. Test me, O God, and know my heart. Examine me and know my paths. And see if there is a lawless way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen.